0: Hi, I'm Ben Rizzuto, wealth strategist at Janice Henderson Investors. For 90 years, we've worked to help clients achieve superior financial outcomes and fulfill our purpose of investing in a brighter future together. To learn more, go to JaniceHenderson.com. Marriage is for love, obviously, but it's also about personal assets. And I think that is really influencing younger people's willingness and desire to sign prenups in the first place.
1: Welcome to The Best New Ideas in Money, a podcast from MarketWatch. I'm Stephanie Kelton. I'm an economist and a professor of economics and public policy at Stony Brook University. Each week, we explore innovations in economics, finance, technology, and policy that rethink the way we live, work, spend, save, and invest. Charles Passy will be back next week. What do Michael Jordan, Mark Zuckerberg, and Kim Kardashian all have in common? if your first thought is extreme wealth, you're not too far off. That wealth is at the heart of why Jordan, Zuckerberg, and Kardashian, who are each worth billions of dollars, famously signed prenuptial agreements, or prenups.
0: I think for me, and I imagine for a lot of others as well, the main way that we've engaged with prenups is sort of as a news story that involves celebrity a lot of the time.
1: That's Michael Waters.
0: I'm a freelance writer and I wrote a story about prenups for The New Yorker. I think there's this ingrained idea in popular culture, and I think it's especially influenced by representations in media that prenups are specifically a thing for very wealthy people, especially celebrities. In fact, there's a really large cross-section of people who are actually signing prenups
1: Prenuptial agreements have a long and storied history, and often come with big feelings. But at their most basic level, they're a contract, much like marriage itself. Before getting married, two people list all of their assets and liabilities, and outline how those should be split, should they in fact split. The same contract can also be done after marriage, which is known as a postnup. but most folks tend to take care of it before walking down the aisle but hammering out who gets what before you're actually married can be awkward at best and quite traumatic at
2: worst. Prenuptial agreements are usually the sort of Danielle Steele variety, right, where there's a multi-million dollar self-made, usually a man, and then a woman, right? And that seems to be the very sexist and stereotypical version of prenuptial agreements. But of course, the truth is... Far from that.
1: That's Quentin Fautrell, the managing editor of Personal Finance at MarketWatch and the author of the Moneyest Advice column. Quentin has been answering questions about the money problems all of us face for the last eight years. And suffice it to say, he's gotten a lot of letters about prenups, most of which aren't from the very rich and famous. That's because the number of people, especially young people, signing prenups has exploded over the last decade. 12 years ago, a survey from Harris Interactive found that just 3% of those polled who were married or engaged said they had signed a prenuptial agreement. When Harris ran the poll again this year, that number had climbed to 15%. We'll get back to exactly how and why those numbers have shifted a little later in the show first what you have to know is prenups have undergone a lot of changes since they started all the way back in ancient egypt they looked a little bit different then typically there was a written or verbal agreement before a wedding determining the bride's dowry and what the groom's family would pay for him to marry her in the hebrew custom the ketubah or marriage contract is about 2,000 years old The ketubah is thought to be the first written example of a document ensuring that a husband's property would go to his wife upon his death. You'll notice that even back in ancient times, there was an understanding that at its core, marriage is a contract, which holds true today. In the 20th century, as it became easier to divorce, enforcement of prenups was largely left up to the states. Waters says they weren't always recognized by the courts, and prenups that mentioned divorce were typically not enforced.
0: Essentially, prenups were in a weird sort of legal limbo up until 1970.
1: That year, a case called Posner versus Posner was the beginning of the end for that limbo. The state Supreme Court upheld a prenup that included spousal support upon divorce. While it was an important legal precedent, decisions were still made on a state-by-state, case-by-case basis. Then in 1983, 25 states and the District of Columbia adopted the Uniform Premarital Agreement Act. It allows premarital agreements signed in one state to be honored in another, should a couple relocate after marrying.
0: And we're at a point now where the default basically everywhere is that a prenup will be enforced in a court of law
1: But states still have very different laws around what a prenup needs in order to be enforceable.
0: Some states want each person in the marriage to consult with an independent lawyer. Some states also have these time windows between when a prenup is signed and when a marriage can happen. Sort of out of concern that, you know, one partner might hit the other partner with a prenup kind of at the last minute before a marriage and the actual nuts and bolts of it. Just because there isn't national law around prenups, the system works really differently from state to state.
1: If you don't have a prenup, how everything gets divided after a divorce depends on which system your state has, a community property system or an equitable distribution
0: system. Community property essentially means that any new Debts or wealth incurred during the marriage will be split equally by default, whereas equitable distribution, what is owned or taken in during the marriage, can be more proportionate to what each person brings in.
1: So basically, under community property, the law says a couple divorcing splits their assets 50-50. That covers income, property, money in retirement and savings accounts, and of course, any debt incurred during the marriage. Only nine states take that approach. Under equitable distribution, the system the majority of states use, assets, property and earnings are divided proportionate to what each partner brought in during the marriage. So a prenup is a way around that, and Water says that can actually benefit the relationship itself.
0: Prenups are also meaningful because they can be specifically tailored to like your own unique needs as a couple. If you get to choose between, you know, two different marital property systems versus just be assigned one by default based on the state you live in, that sort of gets you thinking a little bit more about the economics of marriage itself and also maybe reduces the need for prenups. I think we can think of prenups as a way of working around sort of the default state system.
1: These complex state laws are part of the reason it seems prenups have gotten so much more popular in recent years. As we mentioned earlier, Harris Poll last collected data on prenups 12 years ago. When Waters reached out to them while working on his story, they offered to run it again.
0: They found 15% of Americans who were married or engaged said that they had signed a prenup at one point. And this was especially true among younger people. Actually, 40% of younger people between the ages of 18 and 34 who were married and engaged. 40% of that demographic said that they signed a prenup, which is a very high number and I think was surprising to me, honestly, and I think probably would be surprising to a lot of people.
1: So overall, more Americans, but especially millennials, are getting prenups. And Water says there's a reason for that.
0: Younger people have just a different approach to what marriage means and then also just given the economic circumstances of today, just a more pragmatic approach to marriage as an economic contract. Marriage is for love, obviously, but it's also, you know, about personal assets. And I think that is really influencing younger people's willingness and desire to sign prenups in the first place. And then connected to that is just this, like, incredibly
2: large issue around debt. So the student loan debt... Situation in America has become a 1.7 trillion crisis. 1.7 trillion. That's with a T. That's Market
1: Watch's Quentin Fotrell, who we heard from earlier in the show. He says that debt of all kinds is a concern for people getting married. When you get a prenup, both sides have to lay all their financial cards on the table, and that might be one reason we're seeing more prenups.:
2: These are all good things to know about before you get married. Because if you have to write a prenuptial agreement, you're going to have to open your bank accounts and you're going to have to share your financial statements about your student loans, your credit card debts, your checking accounts, your savings accounts. And you're going to have to be transparent. And that's not a bad thing. Waters says prenups can also provide peace
1: of mind, especially for younger people. He says millennials are more pragmatic.
0: And it's something that is really on the minds of people when they are entering these marriages is what will happen with my debts? Does my partner have debts? Stuff like that, that maybe some of these state systems are not as set up to directly address is something that young people are increasingly addressing within the space of prenups.
1: It's tough to gather data about prenuptial agreements because whether they're publicly filed is once again left up to each state to decide. But Louisiana, specifically the Jefferson Parish area near New Orleans, is one of the exceptions. For his article, Waters spoke with Elizabeth Carter, a law professor at Louisiana State University who published a study on the Jefferson Parish data in 2019.
0: She found that a lot of the people who were signing prenups around issues of debt, especially student loan debt. and A lot of them belong to not necessarily like the uber-wealth issue. Found, for instance, a lot of nurses had been signing prenups.
1: The study also dispelled another preconception on prenups.
0: The people who sign prenups don't really look like the group that we expect. This was sort of around age two, for instance. She found that the couples who signed prenups were roughly the same age in most cases, which I think sort of dispels some of that image of like the trophy wife or trophy husband stereotype that we maybe associate with prenups a little bit.
1: So as prenups gain in popularity, who really needs one? Coming up, how a new startup is trying to make the process easier. Plus, advice on drafting an agreement without ruining your relationship.
0: Technology can make the world better. At UST, we're building a future where people everywhere are empowered to live better lives. It's transformation you can feel. And you don't have to do it alone. We believe in the power of technology to transform businesses and
2: build a better world.
1: The Claude 3 model family from Anthropic is your one stop shop for enterprise AI. With models at every point on the price performance curve, you no longer have to make trade offs between intelligence, speed, and cost. Claude 3 Opus sets new industry benchmarks for intelligence. Welcome back to the best new ideas in money. Before the break, we learned about the history of prenups and why they've become more popular in recent years. But how do you know if you need a prenup? In
3: 1987, when I got married, nobody even talked about prenups. I don't, and I was a lawyer. I don't remember anyone. I think back then, the only time you ever heard of a prenup was if it's like somebody like Donald Trump got married, you know, someone famous and rich, right? That's
1: Kimberly Davis. She's a private wealth manager and author of the book, The Fiscal Feminist,
3: A Financial Wake-Up Call for Women. I was a lawyer, and I I laugh to this day because I always say, you know, my mom and dad, they've always supported me in all my endeavors and told me I could do whatever I wanted. But, you know, in, in society at that time, I could have been like president of Microsoft and my parents would still be like, when are you getting married? Are you getting married soon? Due in
1: part to that attitude, prenups weren't something the majority of couples considered at that time.
3: It didn't ever, it wasn't even in my lexicon, didn't even cross my mind for a nanosecond. It really, to be honest, wasn't until I went through my divorce. i would say it's the last, I'd say, 15 years that I really started thinking about it. Before that, yeah, I was in La La Land with everybody else.
1: For Davis, what she calls La La Land looked something like this. Davis and her husband married, had three daughters, and she transitioned her career into investment banking. Then the family moved to London for her husband's job for what was supposed to be a two-year period. They ended up living there for over a decade.
3: And that really changed the course of my life because I wasn't able to really engage in work in the way that I wanted to in the profession that I had chosen. After 14 years, Davis said she and her husband
1: decided to divorce and she moved back to the United States. But living outside the country for so long had some ramifications. For starters, she didn't have credit and hadn't worked in
3: the U.S. for over a decade. And it was a long and arduous divorce. It took several years to complete. You know, two lawyers trying to get divorced, forget about it.
1: When all was said and done, Davis says she found herself in a precarious financial situation.
3: You would have expected more from me than this but I kind of lost track of the family finances right I had three little kids I was in this other country I was doing the stay-at-home mom thing for a while and I just lost the plot I, I lost the thread of a lot of what was going on with our finances so when things happened in my divorce some of it was a real news flash to me and never to my advantage I had four years of just living in abject fear. Every day I woke up with a stomach ache. I was paralyzed, never knowing how this was all going to end and how was I going to fund my retirement. There were a lot of decisions that were made and experiences that I had that I never want anyone else to have if I can help them avoid that.
1: After a long and trying search, Davis eventually got a job as a financial advisor and has since moved into wealth management. Her personal experience led her to create the Fiscal Feminist Platform.
3: This is not just reserved for wealthy women who are my clients. A lot of people go through this, and also younger women. I want to be able to counsel them on things that they need to be looking out for. Prenups can be a helpful tool for a lot of couples, but there is one issue. They're
1: expensive. Really expensive.
4: So, a prenup could be between five and ten thousand dollars per couple.
1: That's Julia Rogers. She's a Massachusetts family law attorney.
4: I was speaking to many, many potential prenup clients, and they all had the same three concerns.
1: First, as we've already mentioned, the cost. Second, Rogers' firm required a minimum of three months to draft the document, and many couples wanted to move the process along faster.
4: And then the third thing that people really struggled with was they would say to me, we already know what we want in this agreement. We've already talked about it. We feel really comfortable with the terms. Why can't we just do this in a collaborative way? And they had a real issue with each hiring divorce attorneys to draft their prenup. They felt like that was really an adversarial process.
1: The solution? Hello Prenup, a digital platform Rogers co-founded that allows couples to take the process online. Hello Prenup aims to tackle many of the frustrations Rogers describes.
4: It's a collaborative process. One party signs up, they invite the other party, and now they walk through this Q&A process together, separately, of course. And They each individually answer their own questionnaire and then they walk through a negotiation phase. So they really participate in the process of creating their prenup together versus if one party hires an attorney, that attorney drafts the entire agreement and then they hand that entire fully formed draft over to the other party to review and make edits to. So it's not a collaborative process. And I think that's what most people struggle with.
1: And according to Rogers, working on the prenup collaboratively can help address other big money discussions that often plague relationships down the line.
4: I think talking about money is probably the hardest thing in a relationship because we're taught so young a marriage should only be about love and nothing else. When the reality is that the vast majority of divorces occur because of some type of dispute about money. And so we can't ignore that. We need to look at what the root cause of divorce is and then work backwards. How can we make sure that we don't end up as a couple in that same situation? Well, having the conversation about money is the solution.
1: Roger says prenups are a good space to address a lot of the financial concerns that women in particular are more likely to face, like the motherhood penalty
4: automatically the likelihood of earning as much as their husbands starts to decrease and decline over time. Women are oftentimes the caretakers in their families, right? They're the ones who are taking six months or a year or five years off to raise young children. Oftentimes those women, once they try and go back to work, their earning power will be much lower.
1: As we mentioned earlier, the majority of states in the U.S. operate under the equitable distribution system. That means assets are divided more in proportion to what each partner brings in during the marriage, which can exacerbate something like the motherhood penalty. But Rogers says with a prenup, you can deliberately offset that.
4: In the event of having children... When one party takes some time off, you can add something called a lump sum payment clause. And what that states, and this is just one example among many, but what that states is that if you're married for five years or 10 years, a lump sum payment from the other party's separate property or income will be given to that party that was negatively impacted financially by taking that time off. So the goal of clauses like this is to really even out the financial playing field so that both parties leave the marriage in the event of a divorce, feeling like things are fair.
1: We asked Market Watch's Quentin Fautrell, who writes the Moneyest Advice column about how to approach conversations about prenups.
2: My advice for anybody who wants a prenuptial agreement is to tell the truth. And the truth is, it protects both parties. Everybody has something that needs protecting. Everybody wants to see their financial and romantic lives on paper so they can be clear about what it is they're getting into. And secondly, if you start with a prenuptial agreement, it shows that you're thinking ahead and you have a good head on your shoulders and that you you actually respect the role that finances play in your life.
1: Kimberly Davis agrees.
3: I don't want anyone to think that I'm anti-romance or love or any of those things. I think, you know, finding fulfilling relationships with people is one of the most important things in life. But I also know that when things go pear-shaped, people take on different demeanors. Why not front load all that, know that you have it all organized, and take a deep breath and just... You don't have to think about it, maybe ever again. But it's just like having insurance. And there's nothing that makes you less of a partner, of a caring human being, of a loving person in a relationship by wanting to have this. Both people are gonna do something that's actually caring and beneficial to that other person that may happen down the line. It just actually means that there is something to your love.
1: Thank you for listening to the Best New Ideas in Money. You can subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts. If you like what you heard, please leave us a rating or review. And if you have ideas for future episodes, drop us a line at MarketWatch.com. Thanks to Michael Waters, Quentin Foutrell, Kimberly Davis, and Julia Rogers. To learn more about prenups, head to marketwatch.com. The Best New Ideas in Money is a podcast for MarketWatch. The producers are Michael McDowell, Meta Lutzoff, and Katie Ferguson. This episode was edited and mixed by Megan Oftermatt. Melissa Haggerty is the executive producer, Jeremy Binks is our news editor, and Tim Roston is the executive editor for MarketWatch. The Best New Ideas in Money theme song was composed by Sam Retzer. I'm Stephanie Kelton. I'm an economist and a professor of economics and public policy at Stony Brook University and not part of the MarketWatch newsroom. We'll be back next week with another new idea.